0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: So, why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they lived near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things.
2: Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Robin Showokas. Today's topic is Laurel Park Foundation 100% for nature. We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons
1: watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think? One bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages.
0: What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Critty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat101 or use coupon code CAT101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
1: A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks... Where did you get that thing? The parrot replies,
2: In France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. This week, I'm at the American Federation of Aviculture's annual convention in Houston, Texas. The wonderful list of speakers went on and on, but I was lucky enough to catch up with Dr. David Waugh, director of Laurel Park Foundation in Tenerife, Spain. Tenerife is an island off the coast of West Africa and is home to the Laurel Park Foundation, which is the world's biggest and most diverse collection of parrots. Welcome, David.
3: Hi. Hi. Nice to be here.
2: Thank you so much for, for sitting down to talk with me. Um, a- as I mentioned, part well, the foundation is the world's biggest uh, collection of parrots. So how did you get involved with parrots in the first place?
3: Well, mm-hmm. oh, this goes back a while uh, I, I Well, I've always been interested in birds, and I uh, grew up in England uh, where there weren't that many parrots, but um, at a fairly early age, I was kind of 10 or 11, I decided to um, keep and breed budgerigars, um, and that was moderately successful, uh, and it kept me uh, busy uh, doing um, something that I uh, evidently liked to do. Then uh, other things took over, studies, and um, I uh, kind of left the budgies behind and didn't go back to parrots for a long, long time. But I had always been interested in birds, uh, since ever I could remember. So I went to university and I studied uh, zoology, but uh, with a a particular interest in in birds, in ornithology. Um, but at the same time, uh, I maintained my passion for bird watching and so um, I would always, um, in my spare time, go off and look at birds in, in, the, in, in the beach or in the forest or wherever it might be. Um, then I moved to South America and I got some work um, because uh, there are a lot of parrots in South America. I got some work uh, going to look at particular problems that certain species of parrots had uh, conservation problems in different countries like Ecuador uh, and Brazil. And really it was from then, which was like in 1994, that I started really uh, to get back into um, interesting work with parrots. Uh, Not so much at that time with parrots in captivity, but with parrots in the wild. And then uh, an opportunity came up uh, for me in uh, in 1995, at the end of 1995, to join the Laura Park Foundation. Um, and this was a wonderful opportunity, which I immediately took, of course. And this um, led me into, back into work with uh, Captive Parrots because of the Foundation's uh, marvelous uh, parrot collection. But not only that, the Foundation um, continued um to have uh to work with parrots in the wild, and so therefore I could bring my experience um, of um, of going and looking at parrots in various countries of South America to the job that i that I then got in
2: that's in great the foundation. now what's your your fondest memory or the most exciting memory of being out doing field work um with with par or with Birds in general, but parrots or—can
3: mm, well, you there, name one? Or there there just are there just so, are so <laughs> many? Yeah, boy, there are there are there are so many wonderful experiences um, that I could relate. I mean, one particular wonderful experience, but uh, sad at the same time, was that in 1996 I was in Brazil, in the northeast of Brazil, uh, in the very uh, dry, almost semi-arid uh, area, which the Brazilians call the cachinga. And this is the home of the Spixus macaw. Now the Spixus macaw is an iconic um, species of parrot because mm-hmm. it is now extinct as far as we all believe it's now extinct in the wild. And it went extinct in the year 2000 when the last wild male disappeared. But I had the privilege um, to be able to see him uh, in his uh, natural habitat in 1996. and I. And I took a photograph of him, uh, which for me is a very poignant uh, photograph. I took a photograph of him sitting on the top of it he 's silhouetted on the top of a tree with the sunset behind him, and he 's sitting there waiting uh, for his female to to go into the to the to the um, hole in the tree where she would spend the night. Uh, before he flew off to spend the night on the top of a cactus, uh, a particular kind of cactus that grows there, this female, in fact, was a female of of another species of macaw that lives there, the blue-winged macaw, and he had paired up with her because there was no other asphyxis macaw to pair. So this was a this was a thrill, on the one side, but of course a, a sad moment because I, you know, you're looking at the last. Um, of a species and once and once a species is gone, it's gone. Luckily, there are spixus macaws in captivity and we have some at the Laura Park Foundation yeah. and we are um, trying to breed species macaws build up the population in captivity so that we can then in the future uh, put that bird back into Brazil where it belongs.
2: That, uh, that had to be an incredible and as you say, poignant moment that, that mm. it's, um, to be able to see an, an animal like that in the wild that I mean, there's probably a handful of people that can say that yeah, they've had that experience. That's
3: right, yeah, very, very few. And um, I mean, it's the kind of experience that we don't really want people to have because no. We, no. <laughs> we, we want uh, all, all the powers that live on Earth today to continue to, to live on.
2: And, and I think, too, people don't realize that a lot of people, you know, toss the word extinct around. Um, but don't it it really doesn't always hit home with people what that means mm. um, and and the the impact that that we have on that situation and how we can help and and how organizations like the Laura Park Foundation is mm. doing things to help so at the foundation you are the director mm. you're the director of the foundation
3: yeah uh, I'm the director and that means i'm in charge of making sure that the activities um, that we do uh, fulfill the objectives and go towards fulfilling the mission uh, of the organisation. Um, the, in a nutshell, the, the the mission is to is to conserve uh, parrots, um, and to do this, we um, we run conservation projects in the field for particularly uh, threatened or endangered species of parrots. And then, um, back in in Tenerife, um, through Laurel Park, uh, we we run education programs uh, for the schools, uh, the local schools, but um, that's how we started off, but we've actually expanded out um, because we use um, the the internet. We use chat and, uh, and video through the internet to reach schools wherever you like in the world Mm. Uh, we're mainly working of course in spain but we we also connect to schools in germany we've connected to uh, a school in thailand and um, uh, luckily the the, the technology that we have now means that we can we can reach uh, globally um, on our education mission to to, uh, to 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 educate people about parrots and about um, the problems that they face and what we all can do to help. Mm-hmm. So that's on the education side. We we also mm-hmm. um, because we have this um, this wonderful uh, collection, we have uh, we have a responsibility to maintain um, certain endangered species in safety net populations, and so we have uh, so we have breeding uh, uh, going on in the collection. We would like to call it uh, responsible captive breeding or responsible aviculture if you like. Um, but we don't just breed rare species, we also breed the commoner species. Um, and it's a fact that, that many um, parrot species that have been common in aviculture uh, ha- have been disappearing because people have not been taking uh, enough notice, and one of our um, Goals is to make sure that uh, these forms don't uh, disappear. Um, it's important to have the the the, the genetic material um, because we don't know uh, quite what's going to happen in the future mm-hmm. f- in their wild population. So if we can um, can have a genetic bank, if you like. Um, then, uh, that maybe we'll need that in, in, in the future.
2: Now, David, what does just for folks that are listening that may not know imp- the particular terms endangered, threatened? Mm-hmm. What are the definitions, I'll or clear. is there a clear one? Yeah,
3: there there are there are now clear uh, clear definitions. Um, these definitions are really uh, established by the um, the World Conservation Union, um, or IUCN uh, for short. Um, and the bird part of that is undertaken by uh, an, a, an international conservation organization called BirdLife International. <coughs> Excuse me. And they have established um, very clear criteria for what is a threatened uh, species as compared to a non threatened species um, within the group of um, uh, species of animals, not just parrots, but, but of all animals and all plants, in fact. Uh, within the, the threatened uh, group, there are separate categories for the level of threat that, uh, that uh, a particular species might face. So, the, the, the lowest um, level is vulnerable, the, the next level is endangered, and the next level up is critically endangered. Mm-hmm. And then you have species like the Spixus macaw that, um, that are extinct in the wild and then and then finally of course um you have extinct but mm-hmm. by that time it's too late and, and you know we, we haven't done enough right
2: now among so among breeders and and is there coop there is there cooperation with a species that say is critically endangered is that the goal of the union to to kind of bring those people together and
3: yeah i i think that um that we we have a responsibility to try to work together, and uh, and we have good examples where we can work together. The uh, the, the the conservation actions can be can be many. Uh, of course, um, conservation ultimately happens in the wild. And so therefore, you've got to make sure that you are conserving uh, habitat um, and taking actions to make sure that the, 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 the species population is not being depleted by the, the threat factors that may be. For example, the commonest one for parrots is that um, people come and take the chicks out of the nests to sell. Um, locally, or even try to get them sold internationally, um, and that causes problems for uh, for for a great number of uh, parrot species.
2: And is that still a, a serious threat?
3: Yeah, that's a serious problem, and it's something that uh, that all um, governments and non government organisations which have an interest uh, should work to try to minimise. I don't know if we'll ever eradicate it, but certainly to minimise it. So th- those are actions that can be taken um, in 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 the in nature, if you like, but mm-hmm. but if we talk about the, the parrots in captivity, then uh, then yeah, responsible breeding, um, particularly where um, we can continue to have parrots parent rearing rearing their own young, um, so that this so that there is a perpetuation of the proper behaviours. Mm-hmm. Which is essential for the perpetuation of a species. Sure. Um, then you know the, the, a lot of private breeders have a lot of good experience, where they do have birds um, rearing their own young. Uh, they do provide the right conditions. Um, uh, there are quite a lot of uh, zoos, of course, that that um, have a, a similar experience uh, and expertise. Um, and so there can be there can be um, programs where which include uh, the zoological community and that include the private breeder community, um, jointly working on some of these incredibly rare species to bring them back from the brink. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it, it, logically, it feels like it would be common sense, but it is such a big undertaking to mm-hmm. to do that kind of work mm-hmm. um, that that it's not as easy as as it sounds or as it should be. But we're going to take a break. And after the break, I'll be back with David, and we're going to discuss some of the cutting-edge work that's happening at the Laurel Park Foundation, and and uh, you know, the inf- get some information out to the listeners, and, and see um, so that they know more about what you're doing. Okay. So we're going to just take a break.
1: <laughs> what you Stay perched. Wings and things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party! Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four legged friend, or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party accessories. Party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes: tropical and fireman. It's a dog's life celebrate it with molly and bandit pet party at molly and bandit pet dot com slash pet life let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio pet life radio dot com a frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder the bartender asks where did you get that thing the parrot replies in france there
2: are millions of them don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things. i your host, Robin Chiwokas, and today I'm in Houston at the AFA annual convention, and I'm talking with Dr. David Waugh of the Laurel Park Foundation in Tenerife, Spain. Again, thank you so much for being here, David, and I, I really think it's important that um, the folks that listen to Wings and Things realize how very serious these, this situation can be, and, and the, the real contributions they. Folks like you at Laurel Park um, are doing to to help the conservation efforts, and because a lot of folks that have pet uh, birds are, are involved in conservation efforts here, and and but don't know the the whole story or the mm. long story, if you will. So, mm. what kind of thing you know, spe- stories that you'd like to share with us about what you're doing at the foundation?
3: Okay, fine. Um, we. Um we have the breeding programs, as I've already mentioned, and we we also uh, finance and uh, collaborate in uh, in field programs for uh, for different and sometimes the same species that we have in the breeding programs in in our breeding center in in Tenerife. Uh, to give you one example, um, we um, have been funding work in the northeast of brazil quite near to where the Spix's macaw uh, used to live for another species of macaw which is only found in that area as well and that's called the Lear's macaw it's a big blue macaw with a uh, yellow bare yellow skin on the face and uh, around the eye they're absolutely beautiful. Uh, uh, yeah, they birds. are beautiful birds. Yeah, um, uh, they're quite like hyacinth but slightly smaller and uh, slightly less brilliant than the hyacinth macaws. Well, but they live in an extremely small area in the semi-arid um, northeast of Brazil. Um, they uh, they they nest and spend the night on these tall sandstone cliffs, which outcrop in in a very small area, and then they fly out every day uh, in the morning. Um, to feed principally on a, on the on the nuts of a of a single kind of palm called the likuri palm, um, they feed all day and then they fly back at night uh, to spend the night um, back on the cliffs um, They, uh, because uh, of that situation where they're so specialized and they're in such a small area, they are very susceptible to any kind of disturbance and particularly uh, the the kind of disturbance where where people illegally might be trying to take the young birds Mm -hmm. um, and um, smuggle them um, to to sell, uh, maybe nationally within Brazil or even internationally. So um, we have been financing uh, work to to uh, to try to prevent that happening and also work with the local community who are who are not the people who do uh, the kinds of bad things that I mentioned. The local community are really uh, nice people. They but they are they are really quite poor and they. And they use the Likuri palm uh, nuts quite a lot for for their own consumption, and there are also uh, conflicts between them and the macaws in the sense that the macaws um, sometimes of the year when there are there when there are not many of these palm nuts around, uh, but the. But at the same time, the maize crops are ripening. Of these poor farmers, they come down and they raid the crops. And uh, uh, if you if you look at a field of maize, once a once a flock of leaves, macaws has been in there, the poor farmer has lost everything. So um, we have set up a, a compensation scheme where the farmers are compensated with uh, sacks of maize um, if they can show that the damage has been caused by the macaws. Um And we're trying to work with them and also with with uh, women's groups in the area um, to start up uh, arts and crafts um, uh, industries, if you mm-hmm. like, but this is like a cottage industry level. Um, using um, some parts of the Licuri Palm, um, they're making baskets and they're making uh, artifacts of one kind and another um, to sell in the local markets so and maybe um, as time goes on, we can get them to sell in, in the big markets like in Sao Paulo. Um, and this is to supplement their income and this is, this is one way to get them to understand the importance of the palm and the bird um, and uh, really working with nature to improve their, their own mm-hmm. conditions. Um, so we have that, but we also have um, that, that species in our breeding center. We've received two pairs on loan from the Brazilian government, they're, they're still owned by the Brazilian government, um, to breed um, a safety net population of that species, or to help to breed a safety net population there. When we received those pairs, there were only uh, 43 macaws in captivity. Um, we received the, the two pairs in November 2006, and we've been managed, we've managed to breed them. Um, And we we feel, uh, well, we feel very proud that we've been able to. Um, And so we've had them breeding in 2007, 2008, and uh, now this year again, and we've um, we've got a, um, let me think, a total of um, 11 chicks, no, 12 chicks now um, Mm -hmm. out of them. Um, And so uh, this is one of the kinds of things that we do. We work um, with the species in the breeding center and also work with the species um, outside.
2: It makes sense to tie it all together too. That that now are you doing education with the children as well in the schools and um, because it would I, I often approach things from from that angle as far as mm-hmm. conservation is concerned. That if you can get the children involved so that they appreciate and then you know sometimes the parents who are working under constraints where I have to feed my family or I have mm-hmm. to to make ends meet, the children sometimes are a great advocate. Is yeah. that?
3: yeah um absolutely in 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 virtually all of the field programs that we have an important component is um awareness and education that may be with adults but it's particularly with the younger generation and so we'll'll we'll normally um have a team of people who um who make a, a connection as early as possible with the teaching community with with the local teachers um and introduce the, the the young people to uh, to a particular kind of parrot. It's really using the parrot as a flagship. It's using sure. as a parrot the parrot, um, which everybody knows a, a parrot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, somebody who lives in a, a swanky apartment in Manhattan, or a, a, a poor kid who lives in a little village in the middle of the forest in Brazil. They do. They both of them know what a parrot is. And so we can use parrots as the flagships and we, 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 we catch att- the attention of the kids and other people in that way and then teach them about the, 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 uh, the ecological community, how people interact with their ecological community, how important it is to have forests, not just for the parrots and not just for the birds, but also for the clean water supply sure. to the villages uh, and for, to ma- maintain that because the v- villages need that clean water. Um, and so on, so um, so this is all part of, part of it
2: and it, it's so important too, because I think here we lose sight a lot of times of of that big picture. Mm-hmm. you know, we know how beautiful the parrots are, but they're they're from pet stores or they're from aviculturists that and it's to to look at the bigger picture and what's happening out there in the world and to know that that you we can be a part of it is there is I should ask, is there a way that the people who are listening or can help? with the foundation is there? Sure,
3: um, we would we be very uh, grateful for for any offer of help from from anybody. We uh, we have a we have our membership. Uh, uh, if anybody would like to become a member of the Laurel Park Foundation, then, then surely we would we would welcome them. Uh, um, we we receive donations. Uh, we are happy to receive any donations for for any of our work that we do. Um, people can uh, breed, parrot keepers and breeders, especially, can join their local um, their local parrot breeder club. Um, they can join uh, specialist clubs for example um, there's the there's the uh, uh, the brodo parakeets, and those little parakeets from South America. There's a, there's a, there's a society called, uh, called Broto-Geris uh, Society International, but its base is in, in the US, mm-hmm. um, and if anybody has a, uh, those parakeets, and they like those kinds of parakeets, and they breed those kinds of parakeets, they could join that society, uh, because that society has given uh, some money to, to the foundation, uh, because we are financing um, with the government of Peru uh, 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 an important project for the conservation of one of those protegerists. Uh, species. It's called the gre- the grey cheeked parakeet, mm-hmm. which only comes from the um, the dry northwest of Peru, and it's an endangered species, and it needs help. Um, so, um, so the people who are in that Broderiparis society, they're all um, they're all um, you know just ordinary breeders and keepers of of uh, parakeets, but they're able to contribute. They've made a contribution mm-hmm. that way, and um, and we're delighted with that.
2: And I think it's so important. That, that we know that that there are things that people can do, and it's it goes back to the you know the story of well what can I do I'm only one person, but that one person can make a difference that mm-hmm. little bit, and if everybody, you know, does their part, it, it's something you know that that with folks like you in a situation and in a facility where you can actually impact things, our support of those foundations you know really helps in mm-hmm. the in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, David, is there a, a website for the foundation? Is it Laurel Park Foundation? Yeah,
3: it's, um, it's probably not easy for people to um, uh, to understand um, the, the spelling because most of it's in Spanish, of course, but it's uh, www.loroparque, or one word, uh, hyphen fundacion, which is the Spanish way of saying foundation, dot org, O-R-G, um, but I think if you do a Google search with uh, the two words "Loro" and then after that "Parque" spelled P A R Q U E, then you'll you'll find us.
2: And I, the other thing I can do is we, I do a description of uh, each podcast, and I can put that in the description so that if people okay. go to uh, PetLifeRadio dot com, they can find it there. So now, David, I know that there's a a very exciting conference coming up next year mm. at, at Laurel Park. And yeah, exciting, yeah. Can you tell us about that? Oh,
3: sure. Um, this is the uh, our seventh international uh, parrot convention. We started these way back in 1986. And they happen every four years. Uh, it's the world's um, biggest um, gathering of anybody interested in parrots in any way, shape or form. Um, we have uh, 800, about 850 delegates normally. Um, people get the chance to see our wonderful parrot collection, and they get the chance to uh, to hear um, presentations from some of the world's foremost experts on uh, parrots um, and their and their keeping and their conservation um, and so on. So that uh, convention is going to take place in the island of Tenerife, um, September twenty second through twenty fifth, two thousand and ten. Tenerife, I have to say, has a wonderful climate. It's like the climate of Southern California. Uh, It has wonderful food. It has um, uh, wonderful landscapes. Uh, You can enjoy the beach uh, or you can go up um, to the top of the volcano. It's not active, I have to say, uh, which is the highest mountain in Spain, um, as well as enjoying uh, the the wonderful array of parrots that we have there.
2: I'm going to save my pennies. I think that that's a a great goal for people to to maybe start saving and and check out the website and it might be something you know so plan that vacation make it a a, a parrot vacation and sure. and end up at Laurel Park and I think the people would be amazed at what you have there and yeah. and what um, you know what they'd be able to see and thank you so much David I really appreciate your your talking with me today it's uh, I I have never been to your Uh, Facility, and I I would really like to someday. And so, you
3: you know, next year.
2: Yeah, I have to check the calendar. You never know. (laughs) And and speaking of calendars, I do need to go through some upcoming events. But thank you again for being with us. Oh, Um, it's a
3: pleasure. Thank you.
2: Thank you. And so, upcoming events this is the the list that goes on and on. Um, Barbara is not with me today, but I do have her calendar and some things that are coming up in the next few months. We've got. Um, Barb's going to be from August 8th through the 15th at the Association of Avian Veterinarians Conference in Milwaukee, and she'll be presenting at that event. You can check out www.aav.org for more information. September 19th, Barb is going to be presenting a day-long seminar on the basics of training parrots with positive reinforcement. That's hosted by Roddy's Feed and Country Store um, in Clayton, California. And let's see, we've got... September 24th to the 29th, I'll be at the International Congress on Zookeeping in the American Association of Zookeepers Joint Conference in Seattle, Washington. And then from the 30th of September till October 4th, I'll be working um, in the Seattle area with some parrot owners and, and presenting um, some workshops, and there'll be more details uh, to come on that. October 10th through and 11th, Barbara's going to be in New York City doing solving parrot behavior problems. It's a three-hour seminar on addressing parrot behavior issues, and she'll be. It's hosted by Uptown Birds. You can visit Uptown Birds at www.uptownbirds.com for more information. October 23rd to the 25th. Um, Barbara will be at Behavior and Learning for Veterinary Professionals in Denver, Colorado. This seminar is hosted by the Gabriel Foundation, and it features Barbara and Dr. Susan Friedman. There will be hands-on training opportunities. You can visit www.thegabrielfoundation.org for more information. October 24th to November 2nd, I will be working really super hard on the Parrot Lover's Cruise. Um, This cruise is going to Costa Rica, Mexico, and Panama. And you can contact baldmantravel.com for information. There are still uh, some spaces available on that cruise. I'll be speaking, Laura Joseph and Dr. uh, Joseph Morrissey. And November 13th to the 15th, I will, both Barbara and I will be at the Canadian Parrot Conference in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. You can look up the information on that at www.canadianparrotconference.ca. January 22nd to the 24th, both Barbara and I will be at Parrot Festival in Houston. I'll be back in Houston again. You can visit www.parrotfestival.org for more information on that. March 3rd through the 6th, both Barbara and I will be uh, participating at the International Association of Avian Trainers and Educators Conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was just recently in Albuquerque, and I can tell you, it's a place to be. Um, you can check that out. the information on that at www.iate.org. Um, as always, we'd love for you to visit goodbirdinc.com and theleatherelves.com. My enrichment tip for the week, it's pretty basic. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Species history leads to good enrichment. The more you know about what that species does in the wild and the more naturally you can enrich them, the better off you'll be. So I think we're out of time. And if you have any suggestions or questions, you can contact both Barb and I. Uh, You can contact me at robin at petliferadio.com or barbara at barbara at petliferadio.com and as always if you'd like to receive transcripts of this show please visit www.petliferadio.com and we'll see you later thanks bye
1: join us every week on wings and things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper wings and things only on petliferadio.com